good morning again and, and again. I just want to say thank you all. It's so lovely to see all these guests and visitors with us today. That is just so wonderful to have you all with us today. Um, great job today, Emily and Chelsea. That was fantastic. That was good. I, got, I want to admit something. It's kind of funny. I, I thought about it this morning. When you get ready in the mornings, you always go through a, a normal routine. Pretty much everybody kind of has the way they, they do things. The, the order you, when you go in the bathroom, after you get out of the shower, you either you brush your teeth and you comb your hair, you do this and that, but you do everything in a very specific order. And when one thing gets thrown off, it kind of throws you off for the entire day, right? It can, it can just, the tiniest little thing. So one of the things I realized this morning as I, I'm getting up and, and getting ready is I, I go to put on my deodorant, and I'm, I'm just completely out. You know what I'm talking about? When the deodorant gets so low that when you're putting it on, you're actually just scraping your underarms. Y'all, y'all do, I do it too. Come on. Let's just be real for a minute. Come on. We, we run it down until we have to replace it. And, you know, normally we like to buy things in bulk at our house. So we'll, I'll buy like the, the dozen pack of the deodorant. So I'm, I'm good for like five years. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I ran out. And so I'm, I'm in there and I'm like, man, I got to have on deodorant or else it's going to be bad. And this is Sunday. I got to get to church. So I'm looking around. You know, my son's not old enough to be wearing deodorant. Else I'd have gone and stole his. And I'm looking around and the only thing I see it's this little bar of secret, you know. Does anybody remember the slogan for secret that years ago? It's it strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a few hours into the day, and it's not strong enough for a man. <laughs> it's just one of those things I noticed, and, and all day today, it's just bothering me, because just, it just feels off. It's just funny. But anyways, I felt like sharing that with you all for some odd reason. God moves in mysterious ways. I'm not saying God told me to say that, but anyways, last week we, uh, we finished up a series that we were calling By Faith. If you remember, we were in Hebrews 11 and then in Hebrews 12. We were looking at the, our spiritual ancestors, you know, the, the great heroes of our faith, the men and women that God used mightily simply because they lived and acted by faith. They were, they, were, they were considered righteous by God because of their faith. And God used them for amazing, amazing things. And as, I was, as we finished up that, that series, we were talking about how all of us, we were keeping our, our eyes fixed on Christ, who for the joy set before him, he's our ultimate example. And, you know, we talked about how we were on this team with Christ and we have this, this victory in him. And we get to live our entire lives in victory. And I started to think more and more about this and how I want to make sure that we all understand that every single believer has an active role to play in God's kingdom here on this earth. And that's what I want us to go into for the next couple of weeks. This might be a short series. It may be a long series. I don't know. But I wanted to talk about this because I think it's really important. I want us to look at how God has called and equipped people to serve him, to build up his church and advance his kingdom. And what we're going to look at today, I kind of want to introduce us to kind of the, the who, what, when, why, where, and how about all of this. And, and I want to tell you the bottom line. You could go ahead and this is going to be the, the main point of the message today. If you walk away with one thing, this is what I want you to hear today and know, is that every single believer is called and equipped 
to serve God. Every single believer is called and equipped to serve God. And when we talk about serving God, if I say, what is it to serve God? Or you're supposed to serve God? Or who serves God? How do we serve God? Many of us would would have images in our mind of, we think of pastors or priests or evangelists. We think of clergy people. You might even think of like monks way, way back in the day. And you might think that it's just a a special class of people. You know, we, we talk about people who serve God, evangelists. You think of people like Billy Graham. And you might even think that serving God is only for a very few special people, quote unquote, or specific people, that it's, that it's limited to just a few among Christians. And what I want to tell you today is that that is a false and narrow understanding of what it means to serve God. And what I'd like us to do over the next couple of weeks is explore this concept a little bit and, and dive into it deeper and see what it is to serve God, who's, super, who's supposed to serve God, how we're supposed to do it, why, and all of these things. So that's what I want to spend the next few uh, weeks on as we go into this. And again, we might think of serving God as limited to people that work full-time at the church, the ministers, the pastors. I can tell you one thing right now, church. If your ministers or pastors are the only people serving God in your church, your church is doing it wrong. Every single believer is called and equipped to serve God. God never intended it to just be for a certain few people. This is important for us to to understand. Now, this is what theologians will call, this is a, a term that you learn whenever you go to school for these kind of things. It's called the universal priesthood of believers. I could give you some big, long definition, universal priesthood of believers. What it means is, Is that as a believer, you're a priest. As a believer, your entire life is meant to serve God. There's no special class of people. There's actually no distinction between the clergy or people who work for the church and the laymen or the people who just come to church. There's no hierarchy in value. It's not that the pastors or the ministers or the evangelists are up here and everybody else is down here. No, there's no distinction in that value. There's a difference in the way we function because God is a God of order and he gives us all these different tools to help us. But every single one of us as believers is called to serve God. This is a truth I want us to to look at and, and explore. You are called to serve. You are called to minister. You are called to be light in a dark world. And we, one of the passages that really looks into this, or kind of begins the exploration of this, uh, is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to go in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And to give you a little bit of background, uh, Peter is writing this letter to believers. And as you, if we were to go through every verse in this letter leading up to this point, you would understand that what I'm about to read to you is Peter talking to believers, The verses leading right up to before this show he's talking to believers. Believers, believers. I want to make that distinction. He's not talking to everyone in the world universally. Those who are not believers, this doesn't apply to them yet. 
Those who become believers, it applies to them. And those who are already believers, it applies to them. So I want to make that point real quick. Before we read this, Peter is talking to believers. Let's pick up in in verse 9 right here. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, who again is Peter talking to? Believers. Ooh, somebody said it over there. I heard it. Good job. You're paying attention. All believers. There's no distinction here. He's not talking to a specific few or just the special ones or the educated ones or the rich ones. He's talking to every single believer. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You, believers, are a people for God's own possession. Do you ever, do you realize that? When you think about that, when you got ready, I talked about getting ready this morning, when you got ready and looked in the mirror, you as a Christian, you are looking at one of God's chosen children. You are looking at one of God's royal priests, one of God's holy people staring you in that mirror. And you say, but I, I'm not any of those things, not in yourself and not in your flesh, but in Christ Jesus you are. It is Christ's righteousness that gives us, that gives this to us. And, and what I, looking at this, again, you are all of those things. I, I need you to understand this. This is the truth. If the Bible is true and Peter is telling believers that they are chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession and you're a believer, then that's true about you. And as Peter reminds them and says these things, chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his own possession. The interesting thing about it is, at first glance, you might think Peter's just listing off some you know, wonderful characteristics about what it is for those who are in Christ, how he's changed them, which is true. But actually, Peter is hearkening back to the words from Exodus 19. God spoke to Moses after he delivered the children of Israel out of their slavery in Egypt. And God told Moses, he said, you're going to go and you're going to tell the children of Israel this. Go and say to them, if we will, get Exodus 19, 5 and 6 on the screen there. He said, tell this to Israel. Now, therefore... If you will indeed keep my covenant, you, talking to the nation of Israel, if you will keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession. Among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, when God delivered Israel from their slavery, from Pharaoh, when he delivered them, God intended for those to be his special people, an entire nation of priests, an entirely holy nation. That was God's original intent. But if we look at the qualifier here, he says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Does anybody see the problem with that statement? Well, not from God's end, because everything God says is good. God's law is good. God's covenants are good. 
The problem is man's sin. By ourselves, we're incapable of keeping God's covenant. God said, if you will do this, if you will keep my covenant, you will become my treasured possession. You will be my royal priest and my holy nation. But Israel couldn't keep that. No one could keep that. It's impossible for us until the man Christ Jesus. And when Christ was born and he lived on this earth, he kept every single aspect of God's covenant, holy and perfect. And so in him, Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, the chosen one, literally, the chosen one kept all of that. He is God's chosen deliverer. He is the high priest. He is holy in everything he does. And let me tell you today, that's what God always wanted. And all of us who are in Christ Jesus through faith alone, we get to receive all of those blessings that have come through Christ because he kept that for us. So what we look at, we see God wanted this holy nation. He said, if you'll do this, if you'll keep my covenant, if you'll keep my commandments, you'll be this holy nation for me. We couldn't do it. We kept failing. God sent Jesus who kept it for us. And now we are those things in Christ. He kept it for us. And because of him, we have become a nation of priests, a holy nation. <laughs> and we look at this. We have received those things in Christ. I hope I'm driving this point home. I, I keep repeating all these phrases because I want you to get this. That you are a chosen race. Let me tell you, Christ is the chosen one. And everyone who is of Christ is of that chosen race. Do you understand that? He's the chosen one. And if you are in Christ, you are of his chosen people. He is the great high priest. If you are in Christ, you are one of his priests. Because your holiness comes from Christ and not yourself. You are a holy nation. And let me tell you, Christ, the son, is God's own treasured possession. And if you are in him, you are God's treasured possession. We have to make that clear. That's what we are in Christ, but why? Why? We want to know why we are these things. And Peter tells us, if we go back to uh, verse 9 there, it says that you. Again, who's Peter talking to? Believers. He tells you what you are. That. That word that means so that. Therefore, because of this, now that. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, your own darkness, into his marvelous light. You were made to be this. God wants you, you nation of priests, to be proclaimers of his excellencies. Proclaimers of his gospel that called you out of your own darkness and into his marvelous light. It's strange to think, so I'm holy in Christ. I'm a priest in Christ. And now I'm an evangelist in Christ? Yes. You were made to be an evangelist for God. You were made to share 
his name and his glory with others. And again, we might think this is limited to special people or certain people or trained individuals or whatever. That's just not true. It's not true at all. Now, God does gift people for extraordinary tasks, which we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks as we look at some of these giftings and equippings that God has given us. But we all, in general, are made to do this in Christ. This is meant for every single one of us who believes in Him. And we're to do this in every single aspect of our lives. This doesn't mean that for all of us to share the good news of the gospel, that we all have to go on these nationwide crusades, traveling around and holding tent revivals. No, for us to proclaim His excellencies... God intends for us to be his lights in the world everywhere we go, in everything we do, at all times. Everywhere you go, everything you do, at all times, you were meant. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. This is what you are called to. This is what God has equipped you for. Now, I admit this seems daunting, doesn't it? You might not be thinking of yourself. You might say, yes, I believe in Christ. Yes, I was saved from my sin by Christ. But you might not think of yourself as a priest. You might not think of yourself as an evangelist. You might not think of yourself as a minister or serving God. You might think that's way too daunting. I could never live up to that. But for serving God, he has equipped He's called and equipped every single one of us with a very specific set of tools and resources and abilities and skills on a very individual level. What God has gifted and equipped you with looks different from what God has gifted and equipped you with. God has given us all different things because we are all different parts of one body that serves one purpose. And among these things that God gives us, we have, of course, our time, our talent, and our treasure. If you've heard me speak, I've mentioned that before, time, talent, treasure. We're going to look at those, among other things, in the weeks ahead. But today, I kind of wanted us to focus on two very, very basic things that God has given us, that he has equipped us with. And that is the text and our testimony. And what do I mean by that today? Now, I wanted to start with these again. These are the basic things. Because for most of us, number one, your testimony as a believer, everybody's got that. And number two, in the world we live in today here in America, we have so much access to the, to the Bible and the scriptures. So I want to I look at that first. Let's begin looking at the text. Do you realize that you have an advantage over many of the believers throughout centuries of church history. It's only been for the past couple of hundred years that the Bible has actually been available in your own language, with your own copy, in your own home. For, for many centuries in the early church, the apostles didn't even probably have many cop copies of most scripture, the Old Testament. And then whenever the, uh, the Catholic Church rose to power in the early centuries, they didn't distribute it out to everybody. They kept it in Latin and they didn't share it with people. Only the priests were able to read it and allowed to read it. But a few hundred years ago, I won't dive too deep into the history, 
But there began a, a movement and a change. And one of the things that this change began was it got the word of God into the, the hands of the people in their own language. And there's so many people, there's so many saints who died so that you could have a copy of God's word in your own language. They were persecuted and put to death for trying to get the word of God into the language of the people. And living here in America, many of us have a Bible. We've been gifted a Bible, and some of us have multiple, multiple copies. In fact, many of us have so many that they're just sitting on a shelf collecting dust somewhere. But this is a tool that we've been given, that God has given to us. And what I want to tell you about this is that it doesn't matter your background, your training, your wherever you come from or didn't come from, that Bible that you have is the very same Bible that all the great teachers and theologians and preachers and evangelists, that is the same word of God that you can read God's truth, God's knowledge given to you. You have complete and direct access to that. You have the same sword that they have. And I want to make this point also about the scriptures, the Bible. The Bible is the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant word of God. What I mean by that is that the Bible is the standard by which we measure everything in life. The Bible is the standard of God's truth. It's the standard for all of our, our, our behavior, our conduct, our creeds, what we believe, and should even be the gauge of all of our opinions. And God gave this to you. It's one of the most basic pieces of equipment that we have. And you might be thinking, well, I, I don't understand the Bible. It's hard to read. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Well, I got some good news for you. Here at our church, we have all kinds of classes and ways to help you learn about Scripture. On Wednesday nights, we teach the Bible in here to adults. We teach it to our children and to our youth. We have Sunday school classes. If you don't know where to start, come connect with us and we'll get you plugged into God's word. God has equipped us to be able to teach the Bible to others. You're meant to read on it, to chew on it, to, to wrestle with it. There's things that I read in the Bible that, at first, that I, I can struggle with and say, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that or I wouldn't have done it that way. But I spend time wrestling with the Bible because I know every time I wrestle with the scriptures that it's going to beat me down into submission. But it's yours to feast on and to have. It's a tool that has been given to you. You've been equipped with the word of God. So use your equipment. Learn how to wield the sword of truth. And secondly, beyond the text, the Bible, you also have your testimony. And this one is so, <laughs> your testimony is such a wonderful thing because you don't need to know anything about scripture or theology or doctrine to know that Christ Jesus has changed you. Amen? You don't need to know any of that stuff. To know that God has changed you and saved you out of your darkness and into his marvelous light. 
Your testimony is your life, your story, your experiences. From sin and shame to saved by grace. All for God's glory. And I realize that sharing your testimony can be scary. I, I know one of the major fears that people have is, is public speaking. And I think sharing your testimony could kind of be right up there with it. And I don't mean getting up in front of the entire church sharing your testimony all the time. But sharing your testimony with the people you come across. Relating with them. Because the reason is, again, when we look at our testimony, after God has saved us and changed our heart, after he's given us a new heart with new desires and a new spirit, his Holy Spirit in us, we're ashamed of our sin. We are, we, and we should be. But the thing I want you to understand is that your sin and your shame can still be used to help other people. And what I mean by that is, do you think... That you're the only person who ever struggled with that addiction. Do you think you're the only person who ever tried those drugs? Do you think you're the only person that ever went to that website? Do you think that you're the only person who ever cheated? Do you think you're the only person who ever lied? Do you think you're the only person who ever stole? Do you think you're the only person who struggles with pride? We don't glorify in our sins or make much of them. But the thing about our sins and our past, what God has saved us from, that darkness that he brought us out of, is our testimony of Christ saving us can be used to help save someone else who is lost in that darkness right now. You have no idea who needs to hear your testimony. You have no idea who is struggling with the same things that God saved you out of. Don't hide that away as if it's a shame. What God has saved you out of is, a, is glorious for the sake of Christ. Others need to hear the darkness you have been saved from. They need to hear how God has changed your heart and your soul. They need to hear that because they need to have it done to them. There's so many people in this world. There's people in this room. There's people in this town. There's people everywhere who need to hear your testimony of how Christ Jesus died for you, how he saved you from your sins, and how you are forgiven and alive in him. They need to hear your testimony. You have no idea the light that you can be for someone. It's just like a few weeks ago as we were talking about Gideon. Remember they had the light and the jars of clay and we, we put this together that we have this treasure, this shining light in jars of clay, this light of Christ to show that this surpassing power is from God and not us. You have a testimony and it's one of the most powerful things in your arsenal. If you don't know how to share your testimony, if you're scared to do that, again, there's people here who can help you with that. You can be trained in how to share, the, how to share your faith, how to share your testimony. You don't have to be an expert at it, I promise you. You know, the other good thing about sharing the truth of God, sharing the gospel, and sharing your testimony is, you don't have to be perfect at it. 
I can testify to that every week. I get up here and make mistakes every single week. But somehow the grace and mercy of God goes through and he changes people. Because he is the one who is at work in us. All God is looking for is vessels willing to go out and be that light. Vessels willing to speak his truth. Willing to share his gospel. Willing to share their testimony. So that God can call others out of darkness and into the light. You can be the one to help that person find Christ. You can be the one to help that person out of their addiction. You can be the one to help them out of their shame. You can be the one to point them to Christ Jesus. And so again, I, I say to you, back to the main point of today. Every single believer is called and equipped to serve God. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You have been equipped. So use your equipment. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come before you this day and we come to you asking for your help. Lord, we as believers have come to you and, and we, we realize, we hear that we have been called to serve you that we have been called to give our lives for you, that we have been called to proclaim your excellencies, but we, we admit, God, we don't know exactly how to do that. And, and as we've considered today, you have equipped us. You've given us things. You've given us time, talent, and treasure, and you've given us your text, your holy Bible, your word, and you've given us our testimony. Lord, teach us how to use those things. Teach us how to, how, to, how to be in the truth of the text, how to share that with other people and our own testimony, our own life, God. May you use both of those things in our lives to help point others to Jesus that they too can be called out of darkness. They can leave their sin and shame behind and they can come to you and be redeemed and received by faith alone. Because that's how we came to you. We didn't come to you by good works. We didn't come to you by great things we did or said. We came to you by faith alone. We repented of our sin, turned away from our sin and ourselves, looking unto Christ alone for salvation. And you graciously forgave us. God, because of that, we're a completely different people. Everything about us has changed. And you have equipped us to do so many wonderful things. I pray, God, this week and in the weeks ahead, you would begin to reveal some of those things you want us to do, some of the things you want us to walk in. You've equipped us with certain things. Start revealing your will to us, how to walk in those. And God, I also pray for anyone in here who's not a believer, who doesn't know your son Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would begin to work in them. That they would understand and realize that all they have to do to become one of Christ's own is to turn from their sin and go to him by faith alone. That if they will just turn to Jesus and seek him as their only salvation, they will be received. They will be redeemed. They will be a people of his own possession. God, I pray that you begin to stir up wonderful works, wonderful things through through your church, the body. We are here to serve you, to build your church and advance your kingdom on this earth. I pray you begin to move like that through us here, that we can go out into the world and call people from darkness to light and life in your son, Jesus. We pray this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.